village for a few years now, and and um, as I've seen God grow our church into what it is now, it's so different. I remember walking home from school and walking by this building and not even realizing that it was still open, and, and it was the whole time, but I've seen over the last years our whole neighborhood and community change, and and the village has been a huge part of my life, personally. And I've seen it touch a lot of y'all. And I am so honored to be given this word today. This is the, the third time, the third sermon I've had the honor of giving. And I do not take this lightly. It is the word of God, not the word of Rob. And as a matter of fact, we, we had a little mix-up in the verses that, uh, that I was writing on. And... Uh, and when we figured out this mistake, man, I was pouty. I was salty. You know, I had the gas face, man. All oh, this work I did. I was like a pouty five-year-old, man. I, I, but you know what? God don't make mistakes. The truth was, I hadn't studied the book enough. I hadn't studied what God wanted me to study to give you the message that God wanted you to hear. So, I don't believe that God makes mistakes. I believe that he orchestrates our lives for the reason, for his reasons. And, and what I've always tried to do is, is take a book that, that personally digs into my soul, that relates to my personal story, that while showing a connection to everyday life so that y'all might get the same joy from the book that I do, but most importantly, the knowledge that Father God, Abba, Yahweh wants you to have. And what I've discovered is, as I walk my personal Christian journey, is that every book left to me, every book left to you, every book left to us by our Heavenly Father digs into my soul and relates to our everyday lives, right? Because they all point to Christ crucified for us. And as my journey in this gospel continues... As my journey in the gospel evolves, in the truth evolves, so too does my understanding of the word. So too does my application of the letter. For example, the last time I spoke to you all up here, it was the potter and the clay. It was Isaiah. And the main theme of that book was God's divine sovereignty and human responsibility. And that's deep, right? But I found that so much easier to speak about than faith, love, hope, grace, and forgiveness. So when Pastor Dan gave me my next preaching time, this date, I said, is there a particular book I'll be preaching on? And I was half expecting him to say, no, let God lead you. But he said, yes, you'll be teaching from the book of Colossians. And I admit, it was a book I didn't know well. It was a book I was less familiar with. Because it speaks of God's set-aside ones. And in my past, I had never felt that way. I had never felt set aside. But as a church leader, this is a book that I should be very familiar with. This is a book that I should know very well. And I say that because... We have learned in our, since our beginning of this study of the book of Colossians that it is written to the leaders of the church of Colossians. A city of believers where church leaders stand before people hungry for the word of God to feed them, just like we do here today. 
The book could just as well as read the book to the village, to the church of the village, because it's just as prominent today for us as it was then when written to the Colossians. Paul's constants in this letter are faith, love, hope, and that all knowledge, all knowledge of God can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I poured over this letter, I found it speaking in my heart, to my life, to my soul. So before we begin our study of uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, <laughs> can you all bow your heads with me, please? Father God, I thank you for your word. I ask that you open our hearts and our minds to your letter today. Give us the understanding that you want us to have. Thank you for the perfection of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness through him, for wiping our slates clean, for nailing our sin, our charges to his cross with him. And in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So before we can start Colossians 3, 12 through 17, we've got to find it. So there's, there's these Bibles in your pews, guys. Somebody yell out what page it is for me. 844. There we go. 844 is the page. So now we've got to know the topic. I can't very well start at 12, right? So as we learned last week from Pastor B, is that the topic, and we see it at the top of the page there. Somebody yell that out for me. Ah, see, somebody's paying attention. Putting on the new self. Putting on the new self. That's the topic. So with that in mind, we're going to start with 12 through 14. Putting on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Stop. Let's stop right there. We must forgive as God has forgiven you. The God of creation, the maker of the stars, the universe, the human, us, has forgiven you. He has forgiven me. If we have repented and turned our hearts to him, then you, me, we have been forgiven. Forgiveness is very much a godly thing. You see, we come to the Lord with our past sin, and, and believe me, I had a lot of it, and, and I know some of us here do too. We all have sin. And it was nailed to the cross as his charges, as he took the wrath that we deserved. And now in gratefulness, we want to walk like him in his ways and show through our actions his image. And that's not easy, right? I know I don't always get it right. But faith, grace, love, forgiveness, they see us through. And forgiveness, man, that's the hard part for me. Because as I am called to forgive others who have wronged me, it's hard for me sometimes, man. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to let a person get over on me twice. You know, you've got me once. I don't want to let you get me again. It's, 
something humanly about it. God, forgiveness is such a godly thing. As a matter of fact, I'm in a situation right now where an old friend of mine who I've grown up with and while in the midst of his sin, in his case addiction, who has stolen from me and lied to me and scammed me and tried to scam me. And these are the things you do in the midst of addiction. And though he never admitted such things, he doesn't have to. An addict knows another. A liar knows another liar. A liar knows when someone is lying. A sinner knows when someone is sinning. We know ourselves. We see it every day in the mirror. None of us are perfect. So we see it in other people, of course. But now he's come back around and he claims to be a believer. He says that he's a Christian now. And he says he needs advice from a fellow believer and every fiber of my being screams he's lying. He just wants to snake his way in, scam, lie, and deceive you. It's hard to forgive when you've been hurt, when you've been lied to. It's hard because forgiveness is very much a godly thing. But there's the other hand. There's the truth of the word. I want the people in my past who I've lied to, who I've hurt, who I've deceived to forgive me. Do I expect forgiveness for myself as a Christian, but then don't do the same? Am I a hypocrite? Am I the hypocrite that non-Christians and non-believers speak about? The church is full of hypocrites. Am I one of them? Because our journeys might have been different, but I wore my friend's size 10s. I walked in his shoes. And it doesn't have to be addiction. Everybody in this room has wronged somebody. Above all, we've all sinned, so we've all wronged God. And we've all, through repentance, have been forgiven through the Lord Jesus. So I must forgive as the Lord has forgiven me. Now, don't get me twisted. This in no means, no way am I going to give him the key to my house and say, hey, move on in, take what you want. But as I see him reflecting Jesus in his everyday walk, in his everyday life, if I see a desire for the word, then my trust builds. My trust will build because forgiveness is a godly thing. And don't get me wrong. I know that Jesus saves instantly. God can do that. But after we're saved, after we are reborn, we have to learn how to walk, right? We're not born walking, it's learnt. One step at a time. One verse at a time. We learn what the Lord Jesus was like. Now, if I see my friend reflecting evil then I'll wish him to the grace of God and leave him alone. Because sometimes tough love is what's needed. Because I do not want y'all to leave here and say, hey, Rob said we should let people kick in their doors and walk off with our flat screens. That is not, you know, that's the Christian thing to do. It's not at all what I'm saying. It's not at all what I believe this book in front of us is saying. Because there are people who don't know better, who who will say that Christ was the first pacifist or Christ was a pacifist. So let's look at a, an example of Christ's pacifism, of him being a pacifist, of really, though, that's sarcasm. Let's look at him showing tough love. Let's turn to the very first John in the New Testament. It's John 2.15. 
or, or 213. What is it? 759. Jay says pay 759, y'all. So 759 it is. I give you all a second to get there because this is important. And when you get to page 759, and you'll see at the top of the verse it will read, Jesus cleanses the temple. And let's read 15, and and most of us know how he does it, but let's read this real quick. I'm going to read this. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. This, of course, he's talking about the moneylenders here who are in the temple on holy ground, scamming, all, scamming the Lord's people, ripping them off on exchanges and profit from selling mite-infested pigeons. The Lord shows tough love. He drove the evil from his father's house. That's tough love. And he did it with basically a cat and nine tail. So that's not exactly the actions of a pacifist when you're going upside the backside to show tough love. But love, even tough love, is very much a godly thing for set-aside ones, for Christians. Now let's finish the verse that we started on. Let's, let's go back to Colossians, and let's finish 14 through 17 real quick. And above all things, put on love, which bind everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And, whether, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, God the Father through him. Now, I don't know if the money changers the Lord showed tough love to that day ever turned their hearts to him. Only God does. But I do know if they did, then Jesus would have forgave. I know if they recognized their sin and changed their ways, the Lord Jesus would have made them want to sing songs of his gratefulness and songs of his forgiveness I also know if they truly changed their ways and truly changed their hearts, then they wouldn't want to rip God's people off anymore. They would reflect Jesus. And likewise, I know that the Lord Jesus wouldn't be like, oh, okay, so we're boys now. You can go right on back to scamming people because you're my boy now, so scam away. You see, being a Christian is not a license to sin. It's the opposite. As set-aside ones, we long to be like Christ. And of course, we slip. None are perfect. But when we do, we need to forgive ourselves. As Christ forgives, so must we forgive. That includes ourselves, guys. Because there is nothing like the awesomeness of realizing God has forgiven you. And it makes you want to sing out loud songs of his gratefulness. And you can't fake that. You might fool some humans by acting Christian, but you can't fool God. You see, God can't look upon sin without destroying it. So he has to look at us through the lens that is Jesus. 
so that we look completely different to him. We look like Jesus. We've taken off the old. We've put on the new. We look different because the change is from within. And whether you've been coming to church your whole life or whether, like me, this is your first church experience, no matter what caused you to come to the Lord, when you have put on the new, when you have turned your heart to him, you want to be like him. You want to walk like him. But to do that, you have to know what he was like. You have to know how he walked. Just like if you find yourself attracted to somebody, you might look up their Facebook page or ask their friends or mutual friends about that person. And you try to find out more about who this person is that you're attracted to. Coming to the truth of Lord works the same exact way. We have fallen in love with Jesus and we want to know all about him. The Bible is his Facebook page, but without all the lying and amping himself up. The apostles are his friends. Paul's letters to the Colossians 2,000 years ago, teaching Christ crucified is relevant to every believer in God today. All knowledge in God is found in Jesus. When a person has put on the new self, that is the image of Christ, the image of the Lord. When Jesus, he has changed us, the heart is new. So we seek others who have also found that glory. Let's look at 15 again, 315. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts in which indeed you were called in one body. In one body, we are that body. You have either found your church home and family in Jesus, or if you've realized you've had your church home and your family all the time, because there's people like myself who come to Christ, come to the Lord, and then there's people who have been coming to church their whole life who have never come to Christ and come to the Lord. And no matter which we are, We're in the same boat because we have to come to the Lord for forgiveness, for God to be able to see us. When you bring the knowledge, the word of Jesus within, he changes you within and out, and people will recognize what God sees. So back to my friend. If he puts on the new self, me or others he's hurt, will see the reflection of Jesus in him. And if he's really turned his heart to the Lord, then people will see that. And they will ask, what has changed this man? Non-believers will say, how has he changed so much? Maybe this Jesus is for real. And they will want what he has. They will want forgiveness of Christ, of the Lord, and that beauty that changes a person so deeply. Christians will say, thank you, Lord, for changing this man so deeply. You know, today I use my friend as an example, but I've seen it in my own life. The people that I've hurt, the people that I've lied to. The, as I drove my family away in a wake of hatred for myself, When you do that, you can't just come back to them and say, hey, I've turned my heart to Jesus, so just forget about all the times I lied to you. Now, God 
through Jesus, does do that the second we repent. He says, you are new. But the humans, they have to see a little bit more. I remember people saying about me finding the Lord. Yeah, right, he's lying. He'll never change. He'll be right back on the streets next week. He'll be right back in prison in a month. He'll be right back doing the same things he did. Mark my words. <laughs> but as we've talked, and as they have seen me reflecting Christ, they say things like, who are you? What did you do with Rob? What has changed you so much? My answer is always the same. The Lord, Jesus, God, some mercy. The mercy of the Lord on a sinner. Let me read to you what this huge, heavy Bible I lug around with me says about Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And by the way, this is an awesome tool. It's the ESV Study Bible. This is my commercial for today, guys. So this is the ESV Study Bible. It has been a lesson, a blessing. It has been everything to me in my life that brought me to the Lord. It has helped me see the Lord's love in such a special way. And it was a gift from a very special person in my life who has helped me grow tremendously. And it reads, putting on the virtues of Christ, Paul calls the Colossians, or the village, to a holy lifestyle, consistent with their new identity. Believers have been chosen by God and stand before him as his beloved holy ones. They are to live up to what they are in Christ. Not always easy. Now, I know a lot of y'all have heard my story, and some of y'all have seen it for yourselves. Some of you here know my old self well, have met my old self while he was still alive. So I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but oh, I fit so well. Because while I was living in my old self, in my addiction, in my daily sin... I didn't see things the way I do now. I didn't see the awesomeness, the beauty, the love, the knowledge of Christ crucified for me. I was at a point in my life where I didn't think I deserved to be loved by anyone, let alone the Lord. Where I had accepted that this was just going to be the way it was. Forever. I had been hit with bottles, bricks, a crowbar, jumped countless times, shot in the face. I had overdosed, had surgeries, none of which made me change. But finally, when that day I severed the main artery in my left arm, and this time I couldn't stop the bleeding. You see, I had already had the same surgery on my right arm. Same thing, not long before. But this time was different. There was so much blood. And as I waited for the ambulance this time, all I could do was think of my children. What a bad father I had been. So when they took my old self into surgery, the darkness came. The forever separation, the realness that I would be separated of God forever came. What I deserved, I was getting. Separation 
from my Father's loving embrace forever. I'd be in my old self even after death. So when I woke up alone in the hospital, no family, no friends, my old self had driven them away. Just a Christian nurse standing next to me. And I knew she was a believer because of the little gold cross around her neck. She told me how lucky I was to be alive. And I prayed. I gave my heart to the Lord that day. And I had prayed before, don't get me wrong. I had prayed in prison. I had prayed when I was ill. And not, not in the name of the Lord Jesus. And not from my heart. Not like this. I turned to the Lord. The Lord had given me the first piece of my new wardrobe. He had given me my heart back. He had given me the way through. He had given me himself. The new self. Coming home from the hospital, I knew that God was very real and that my life was far from over. It would never be the same. My heart was changed. But the people around me are going to have to see some proof of that, right? Before they believe a liar. So first, there was the physical withdrawal, right? I was going to have to go through that. Whoever, whoever has had an opioid, an opiate addiction, can tell you that is not pretty. I had no insurance. I had no money. But I had the Lord. So the next day, the withdrawal begins. I leave my house as I always do. But this time, I run into an old friend who is beating his habit. And Ben, where I'm trying to go. He, he said, I know a place that can get you insurance, get you medicine, teach you to type, pay you $10 an hour to go there. Yeah, seems a lot, right? Like, no way, it's too good to be true. It was a study at Bayview Hospital. And the study accepted me, and, and I believe it was God showing me a way through. Showing me a way through to my new full self. So, not long after, I got an invitation in the mail for an Easter, or I like to say Passover celebration at the village church, where I met Pastor Dan, where I could learn all about the Lord Jesus. And Pastor Dan had never met the old me. He had just met the new me with this desire and love and longing for the Lord. So, naturally, the people I've heard, they don't believe it's real. They're like, yeah, right. But as days turned to weeks and weeks turned to months and months turned to years, they saw I tried my hardest to walk like Christ and thanked the Father through him. And found a church family. And they said, what has changed this man like this? And again, my answer is always the same. The Lord. It's God. When you've put on the new and you walk in the Lord, your life starts to change. And that don't mean I or you won't still have problems. We will. That's life. But Jesus, God, will always show us a way through as Christians. Jesus is our way through. Now, I'm going to give you an example of, of differences 
of life in the negative old and life in Christ after putting on the new. You see, in my old self, I had hurt a lot of people who were guilty of nothing more but trying to love me. One of these people was my youngest boy's mom. So rightly, only knowing the old me, she didn't allow me to see my son. She was afraid that I would get close to him and leave, like always, end up back in jail, or even worse, kill myself, and put this poor little boy through this agony. So she's being a good mother. It's perfectly understandable. She's trying to protect her child. And at the time, I had been here a while. I was studying with the Lord. I wasn't the same person. But she didn't see this every day. I mean, we're not around each other. She doesn't know. She only knows what I say. But God did. God knows. God knew. He knows when we've put on the new. And around this time... This was a few years before my mother had went to be with the Lord. She had gotten sick, and the situation was serious. We thought we would lose her. So at the time, me and my sister are back and forth from the hospital, and I had went home to get some rest, and she would call if there was any change. So I went home, and I dropped to my knees, and I prayed a prayer of thanksgiving. I was so tired. As soon as I hit the bed, my body fell asleep, but my eyes and brain did not follow. You know, we call this sleep paralysis, and I had had experienced this before in my old self. This this was nothing new, but, you know, it's after being up for days and stressed, it had always been a scary, negative feeling. I don't know if anybody's ever had this sleep paralysis, but I had this in the old, and I would always feel like I was being attacked. I would try to kick and scream and fight and punch my way through. I'd always be like, ah, this is horrible. But not this time. This time was different. So I'm asleep in my room, which is in the basement. It faces the door that leads outside. I'm laying there and I I see this door open. I see a light shine in. I'm not afraid at all. I see a person in the light. And though I can't see his face, I know it was Jesus. And he sat down on the bed next to me. And he took me in his arms like a baby, like a father holding his child. And he says, what is it that you want from me? And I said, I just want to see my son. (laughs) You know, the next day, my baby's mom called. She said, Aiden wants to come and see you today. Can you send your brother up to get him? His brother up to get him, my oldest son. See, God knows when the change is real. And he will touch people's hearts for you. If we just keep walking in the new, and not because we have to, but because we want to, and sing songs of his gratefulness and thanksgiving, God will show us a way. If you have turned to Jesus, stripped off the old, And put on the new, you should wake up in thanksgiving every day. Forgive, love, as a parent who has come, as a child who has come to his parent for forgiveness. We forgive because we love. And I feel like God is the same way. I feel like he is saying what I was saying. I just want to see my son. I just want to see my children. I feel he says that to every one of us 
Everyone who hasn't found him yet, he just wants to see his children. The love for us when we strip off the old and put on the new is so glorious. It's such a undescribable thing. Forgiveness is a godly thing. But we are called on to do godly things as Christians. We are called to forgive. We are called to love. We are called to turn to the Lord. Turn our hearts to Christ. And if you have turned your heart to God and stripped off your old and put on your new, then this is what life will be like. And it will never, ever, always be easy. I struggle. You'll struggle. We will all struggle. But when we are in the new, the Lord will give us a way through. God will always find a way through for us. That's my granddaughter back there, by the way. (laughs) She's trying to preach right along. And you see, I want my family to learn not through my bad example, but through the Lord's love. Because I have hurt them. I have hurt them so in my old self. But now they're here to support a person they love, their brother, their father, their grandfather, their friend, their brother in the church. And I asked y'all today to do the godly thing, put on the new, forgive as God has forgiven you. So before I pray for us, before we open the communion table, I want to say to Jason and the music team, hey, Jay, (laughs) I want to say thank you. Because every time they're up there, it reminds me of why I'm here. I can feel the love of Christ coming through their songs, through their music, especially through the ones written by Jason. I can feel the love of God and and the glory that they sing in thanksgiving. And though I don't sing well myself, I will sing right along in thanksgiving because I am so happy to just be a part of what God has given me life eternally through Christ crucified.